0: Hello and welcome to the ARC podcast. I'm Adam. Have you ever sat in your driveway at the end of a long drive just to hear the end of a good radio story? Or lost track of time while reading a book or watching a good movie? A good story has the power to grab hold of us and not let us go. Nobody knows that better than today's guest, Robert Peterson, the author of the new book, The One Year Book of Amazing Stories. Robert first recognized the power and importance of stories during his difficult childhood.
1: I've been a storyteller all my life. In fact, I went through eight foster homes, went through a very difficult childhood, and in the bleakness of those days, where I was abused in almost every way you can possibly be abused, uh, I found my escape in stories.
0: On today's episode, we will talk with Dr. Robert Peterson about his life how he became an author, and about his two books with Tyndale, The Book of Amazing Stories and The One-Year Book of Amazing Stories. If you want to learn more about Dr. Peterson, you can visit his website, robertapeterson.org. That's Peterson with two Ts. And if you want to find his books, you can find them at tyndale.com or anywhere that books are sold. Please enjoy our conversation with Dr. Peterson. And you can find more episodes of The Ark Podcast at readtheark.com.
2: Dr. Peterson, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be here. We're excited to talk about your book, which is The Book of Amazing Stories. And first, we'd love to hear about how you became an author. You've written other books as well.
1: Well, I um, uh, have been a storyteller all my life. In fact, I went through Mm -hmm. eight foster homes Mm. went through a very difficult childhood, and in the bleakness of those days where I was abused in almost every way you can possibly be abused, uh, I found my escape in stories. Mm. You know, in stories I could, um, well, I could ride with King Arthur into battle, I could um, float down the Mississippi with Huck Finn, go beneath the ocean with Captain Nemo, fly to the stars with Jules Verne, and I could go anywhere. But it was more than just an escape. Yeah, stories gave me hope, they gave me, they gave me a belief that I could be more than anyone told me I could be, go places I didn't think were possible to go. So stories were really the thing that gave me life. So I've always loved stories, I've always been a storyteller. I, um, I became a youth pastor after I was, became a Christian at Seattle Pacific University. And so of course, when you're trying to hold the attention, I had a youth group of about 400 kids. So when you're trying to hold attention, you have to be a good storyteller. And I went to seminary, Dr. Rayburn, who was the, one of the early pastors of the Wheaton College Church, founder of Covenant Seminary, his brother, the founder of Young Life, uh, said to us men, he said, the worst sin in the world is to tell the greatest story in the world in a boring or convoluted <laughs> way. And so I really wanted to hone story because I've been a pastor. Uh, I pastored down in Naples and other big churches with golfer dads who didn't want to be at church, teenagers with the attention span of a hummingbird. And so I had to learn to tell stories. And when I read the gospels, when I read the Bible, I saw that Paul was a rabbinical lawyer who kind of went point by point, but Jesus was a storyteller. And so stories hold everything together. And I would do profound sermons, and people would call me up during the week and say, "I want to talk about the sermon." I get all excited, and then they'd say, "Tell me about that story. Tell me about that joke. Tell me." And what I realized is that stories are profoundly moving to people. They, they, they and so. I have studied the art of storytelling. Then I was, for years, the president of of Master Media International, the East Coast president, working in film and television. I began to to study the craft. The greatest storytellers in the world are in Hollywood, not necessarily the most profound influence. They profoundly influence the world, but not necessarily a good way. And I thought, well, we who are Christians, who generally produce not so good movies, generally produce not so good music, we ought to at least be able to tell the story as well as mm. the storytellers in the world and so so for me it's been a lifelong science how to tell the story well
0: mm. so we heard you speak this morning in our chapel it's obvious that you love stories you incorporate them into your your speaking as well uh, what do you think makes up a good story or what det- what how do you determine a good story when you incorporate it into you're speaking or when you're connecting with somebody
1: well first of all it has to be a good story right and I I tend to when I was younger I loved to read James Michener and you know uh, people who made up stories and as I've gotten older I really have grown to love nonfiction or fiction I mean I, I love fiction because because I like real stories about real people I think God is the writer of history. In fact I always say history is his story and each of our history is his story. And so first of all a good story, first of all has to be a good story. Uh, I think the other thing about a good story is it has to be, you know, really tight and short. Uh, My friends in Hollywood said a great movie is not what's on the reel but what's on the cutting room floor. Most people don't know how to edit, Mm -hmm. particularly (laughs) self-edit. Most people can't even tell a good joke you have to explain a joke it's not a good joke uh, and um, or it hasn't been told well and so that's important but th- I think the, the most important thing about a good story is it has a universal theme that touches the heart of humans uh, for instance uh, imagine by John Lennon it's not great theology in fact a lot of Christians won't want to listen to that great song but the reason people love that song is because it touches a longing that we all have that there could be a world without war a world where everybody got along and so to touch the longings and there are several universal longings we have for redemption greatest story I think ever told is um, Jesus story of the of the prodigal son there a lot of us the older brother we know what it's like to work hard and, and 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 the kid in the far country gets the reward that we think we deserve we know what it's like to be in the far country to mess up and want the, our wife our parents our friends to receive us back unconditionally we know what it's like to be a father some of us or a, a wife or something somebody, that somebody's far away and we're weeping every night when will they return so jesus captures so many of the universal longings in that story and that's why It's a great story. Mm
2: -hmm. And in your book, the one that recently was released, tell us how you incorporated some of those themes. Why did you choose to write about the people you did?
1: Well, first of all, the whole world's a story to me. I mean, I love stories. I love talking to people on the airplane. I love Mm -hmm. just listening. Everything I see on television and the movies is a story. And so I just collect little grains of people that I'm fascinated with, I'm terribly fascinated, particularly with non-believers. And so I have stories about Muhammad Ali, stories about Gandhi, all kinds of stories. And, and what, what I try to do is find some surprising thing in the story that nobody knows. And so really, the stories I do, really, quite simply, there's a sleight of hand at the beginning of the story to throw you off the trail. The reveal comes as late as possible in the story. Hold the suspense as long as you can. And then the surprise. And then after the surprise, what do you do? I mean, how does it affect you? And then a little scripture and a little little lesson for the day. And so, it's, so it's, everything's a formula. So there's
0: a bit of a formula, but
1: all great stories have a bit of a formula.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you incorporated, incorporated any of your own story into this book, or is that...
1: Well, uh, and the new one coming out, 365 days, uh, shameless advertisement. (laughs) Uh, uh, The last story is my story, Hmm. called The Chosen Child, and um, so I did. But my story is in all stories. Uh, What I believe about stories is if I tell you the story, as I shared this morning at chapel, if I tell you the story, then I'm just informing you. It's somebody else's story, and you're listening. And that's where most people actually stop with a story. Let me just tell you about you know Mother Teresa. Uh, but if it becomes my story, then it inspires me and gives me passion. If I'm experiencing what she experiences, if I can identify with that, then it's, it inspires me so you listen to that and you're inspired by my fervor. But if I bring you in the story, and that's the key, that it has to become the story of the listener, then it transforms. Mm. And until Mm -hmm. it becomes your story, it won't transform you. So I try, that's where the universal concepts come in, Mm -hmm. that when I write my stories, I want you to feel like you're experiencing this thing because you really have experienced Mm -hmm. in some way Mm -hmm. what everybody experiences.
2: Mm -hmm. And it seems that's why Jesus told the parables he did, the stories of common day occurrences where people said, yes, I identify with this. I can picture myself there. And made it identifiable so that they could receive him in it. And I'm wondering if you can share with us how you would recommend for all of us who have people who aren't aware of the gospel or who have hearts that are not ready to receive. How how do we share a story that's compelling enough to be transformational?
1: Well, first of all, I believe that the best story you have is the story God wrote in your life. Your story is the best story, and I don't. You know, I have. A rather amazing story and a lot of people were raised in a you know a nice middle class pretty safe home would say well I don't have a story but we all have a story the key is to find out what is my story I recommend to everybody that they do what Tindo made me do and that is you have to write these stories 550 words or less (laughs) and so I'd recommend that everybody look at their story and find one or two or three universal themes that apply to other people. Maybe it's redemption, maybe it's overcoming, maybe it's love lost, some aspect, just one theme. I try to write my stories around a theme so they'll become travelogue, and so one theme, and I I recommend that everybody write their own story, and, and then when they share it with people, and they see that that person is experiencing what you are, then tell your story. You know, if I do the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or any kind of evangelistic presentation, someone could argue with me. But nobody is going to argue with my story, right. my story of transformation. And, and it's compelling, even to the non-believer. And you don't have to use the story to ram the gospel down their throat. Just tell the story. Mm-hmm. And right. so, mm-hmm. to me, that's the greatest way to share the gospel.
2: Mm-hmm. That's well said. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, but do you have any um, stories that stand out to you of a time when you were sharing your story or hearing someone's story that particularly impacted you?
1: I remember one time when I shared with somebody in my um, my apartment house when I was younger. And I have been sharing the gospel, and they were not, amused with my gospel presentation and they probably ran the other way when they saw me coming and one day I had a very difficult I'd gone through a very difficult time and I shared with this person the difficulty of my experience just what I was going through and the person said you know I didn't know Christians had problems mm-hmm. and so we were able to begin to talk about his problems I have discovered that the best stories are the ones of struggle the ones who, you know, we we Christians sometimes want to share victory stories. I find that success divides people, but shared suffering, shared loneliness, pain, unites people. Mm -hmm. And so I try to tell stories about that. I remember reading Dr. Parker, who was a great preacher in the 19th century in Boston, who said, preach to the hurting people in your church, and you'll always have a church full of people because most of the people in the world hurt hmm. That's awesome. so my whole yeah. aim in life it is my calling is to talk to hurting people mm-hmm. and encourage them mm-hmm. that God's writing their story even when they bumble what their are part of writing through even then God's in it mm-hmm. and your best chapters your best lines are still ahead of you mm-hmm. the story's not finished yet but it's going to be a great ending mm-hmm. if you really belong to him
2: mm-hmm. Well, what you said and shared this morning, I I loved that God is in tomorrow, He is following behind you in your yesterday and He's present today. You used the analogy or the the scripture of Psalm 23 and Mm -hmm. I never, the last scripture said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I hadn't connected the concepts of Christ as shepherd and leader. And then His goodness and mercy following. So, Mm -hmm. in in another part of Scripture, it says He hedges us in behind and before. And another song says, like, let Christ be all around me. And so, the full, like, the all encompassing existence of God was really made apparent to me this morning Mm -hmm. when you shared.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's why He said, I I am. Yes. That's the great I am. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one more concept that you were talking about sharing suffering is what you t- you shared about Moses in the desert. And rarely, you, you said, when we go through the desert, we also learn how to bring others through it. And we've all probably experienced in our life how our suffering has been made good by comforting other people through yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and I, what I like to share is that you have a choice in life when you tell your story. You can either tell the, tri- the tri- triumphs of your life which can be inspiring, yeah. or you can tell overcoming the valleys, the, the desert times of your life. And I would argue that those make for better stories. Mm-hmm. They really do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, amazing grace is far more amazing when I realize what a wretch I am. Yes. And so the triumph is better when I realize the struggle. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. stories have got to have the element
0: of struggle, yes. of overcoming, to be great
1: yes. stories.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: So your next book is an expansion of this book. It's 365 uh, as opposed to 90. What uh, That had to be challenging to try to pick 365 stories. How do you even start to narrow those down? Well,
1: I'd like to say it was <laughs> tough to narrow it down. That sounds like I had 500 stories. I know. <laughs> Actually, as I ended each month, because I did it month by month okay. by month, uh, as I ended each month, As I'm in the middle of each month, I'm saying, oh, Lord God, what am I going to do next month? I'm like the pastor on Monday morning. What am I going to do next week? Uh, And um, and so what was so wonderful is I just prayed, Lord, let me find a story. Let me see a story. I'd read an article. I'd hear something from somebody. My friend Brian sent me stories. Other people, I said to people, send me stories. (laughs) What's your favorite story? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was searching for stories, and mm. um, and they just came. Mm-hmm. They just came, and I said, I'll never do this again. Uh, they told me when I first came to Tyndale with the idea, they said, no one's ever done it. Now I understand why. Yes. Uh, and, and, and yet, I, I'll say to my wife every once in a while, that'd be a great story, that'd be a great story. So I keep thinking, there might be another amazing story book, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Part yeah. two.
0: Yeah. Part three, there's <laughs> part two yes. coming up. Part, yeah, I don't know if I can do a third one. <laughs> You're probably seeing stories like as you dream at night like uh, everywhere you look there's a story
1: (laughs) there is but there (laughs) life is stories there are more stories in this world than there are rocks in the rocky mountains
2: Mm. i promise you oh i believe you (laughs) tell us for for listeners who are aspiring writers how do they concisely share stories like you're saying it needs to be from beginning to end powerful and not drawn out
1: well partly i think you to discipline yourself Mm. and so for me i didn't necessarily discipline if i would have done this project at the beginning of my ministry 40 years ago i would have spared people a lot of long sermons and 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 again it's what's on the cutting room floor In, in hollywood the average movie is about nine hours on film and they reduce it to two hours and it's the reducing, it's the concentrating, it's 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 the discipline of saying I will not go over this amount of words, I will not take longer than this time to tell the story, which requires you to to only do the best stuff, to get rid of all the wasted words, all the travelogue, the things that don't really matter. It's a great discipline. Most of us don't want to discipline ourselves, and like every art, see, my art is. I take words and paint them on the canvas of people's imagination. And you know, you'd like to believe as an artist, you can just kind of free flow. But you can't, musicians can't. I mean, there are, there's form you have to follow. And so for me, discipline is the hardest part of writing. And that's the editing. I would say that to everybody, number one, the editing. Edit, 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 until you can't edit anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you have a story that's mm-hmm. worth telling.
2: That's right. It's like the concept of white space in painting. Mm-hmm. So if you crowd the whole canvas with images and uh, objects, then there's no perspective. There's no depth. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere your eye doesn't know where to go. But if there's blank space to define the shapes, then it's really it's something to behold. Mm-hmm. It's more valuable.
1: And the key thing too is that the first line is critical. And the last line is critical. And what's really critical I think in a good story is one theme. I want people to walk away saying there's one lesson. And so in our stories we have just a little kind of a poster board lesson at the end but that's what you wanna walk away with. Just one theme. You don't wanna confuse people with a hundred themes. Just one theme. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. part of the discipline of editing too.
0: Yes, yes. Well we've been talking about these stories. Um, can you share one of the stories from the book?
1: Sure. Us? This is great, I thought about this yesterday as we were coming into Chicago. This is called Lieutenant Butch and Easy Eddie. The two men couldn't have been more different. Butch was a World War II fighter pilot who served aboard the USS Lexington in the South Pacific. His squadron was on mission when he radioed that he was leaking fuel. He was ordered to return immediately to his aircraft carrier. Reluctantly, Butch broke formation and headed back to the fleet. As he burst through the clouds, his blood ran cold. A squadron of Japanese bombers was headed straight for the Lexington. Lieutenant Butch O'Hare drove straight into the Japanese formation, his wing-mounted 50 caliber guns blazing. With single-minded focus, he fired until his ammo was spent. Butch then began to ram enemy planes, scattering the bewildered Japanese. After Butch limped back to the carrier, the camera mounted on his plane showed that he had shot down five Japanese bombers. He was the first naval ace in World War II, and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. A year later, Butch O'Hare died in aerial combat at age 29. There was another man about the same age as Butch, but Easy Eddie was no hero. This crooked lawyer represented Al Capone, manipulating the legal system to keep the mobster out of prison. Big Al made Eddie the highest paid attorney in America. His estate was so big that it covered an entire Chicago city block. The easy Eddie couldn't sleep at night, knowing that he had prostituted himself to the bloodiest mob in gangland history. Most of all, Eddie worried about the legacy he would leave to his son. He loved that boy more than life itself and he wanted him to grow up better than he was. But as long as he was associated with Scarful Face Al Capone, he could never pass on to his son the two most important legacies of life, a good name and a great example. To do that, he would have to rectify the crimes he had committed. So it made a courageous decision to walk away from the rackets and testify against Big Al. A year later, Easy Eddie was brutally gunned down by gangsters in Chicago. The disgraced attorney redeemed a tarnished family name with his final act of heroism. His son grew up proud of the example set by his father, Eddie O'Hare. Maybe it was Eddie's final act of courage that inspired his son, Butch to charge that Japanese squadron on February 20th, 1942, and later die a hero's death in aerial combat. The next time you fly into Chicago, you might land at O'Hare International Airport, named in honor of Easy Eddie's war hero son, Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. Eddie was no saint. Few of us are, but like Easy Eddie, we can work to give our children a good name and a great example. Our sons or daughters may not get an international airport named after them, but we can make it our aim to help them be better than we are. The story of Easy Eddie and his son Butch teaches us a great truth. Our story is the longest lasting legacy we will have to give to our heirs. So the next time you fly into the airport, remember Easy Eddie and Butch O'Hare. Definitely will. Wow, no, that's, that's profound,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it highlights the importance of legacy and generations, mm-hmm. and how our stories connected to other stories, so you talk about our story is the most important one that we're living and can tell, mm-hmm. but we're not exclusive, you know, no man mm-hmm. is an island, and so how are we interconnecting with our community, and then communities that are to be built in the future, even even beyond our lifespan here.
1: Sure. and this is a story about overcoming, about Starting off badly and ending up and of course you saw the surprise held to the last possible moment <laughs> and the sleight of hand at the beginning and um, that's what make it st- you know I would just say to everybody make your story interesting. It's th- the best thing you have. God wrote it. Your history is his story. It's God's story Then and, and he doesn't write bad stories mm. We just have to discover in our life
0: where he's written mm-hmm. the best parts of the story.
2: That's right. Mm
1: -hmm. if people
0: want to learn more about you or connect with you online what's the best place to do that
1: well they can go to robertapeterson.org that's our website Uh, we have a facebook page it's called the quote amazing story end quote teller the amazing storyteller and um, and, um, you can watch my facebook live every tuesday and thursday at um, 1250 east coast time Uh, and so That's where they can uh, see us right now. We're hoping eventually to have these stories on radio and other national,
0: because I think the world is hungry for good stories. Right, absolutely. Well, um, we're looking forward to uh, getting more people to get this book and the new one, coming out in the future and maybe another one after that.
1: <laughs> yeah. October it's going to be released, 365, right. and, and by the way, just one thing about that story that's so great, for the new book, it's going to have a topical index, 150 subjects, uh, with all the stories listed that are under each of these topical indexes and then a topical index of names. We wanted to do this to make this really user-friendly for pastors, Sunday school teachers, storytellers and so, because people, and when they sit in church,
0: they really need some good stories
2: to do. Right. <laughs> That's, well That's thank a perfect you. time
0: to buy a, a one-year devotional because mm-hmm. you'll be ready. You can read an amazing story every day. That's right. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, thank you, Dr. Peterson. We appreciate your
1: time. It's been my pleasure. You guys are wonderful and thank you. Um, I really appreciate the Tyndale family and being part of it. Absolutely. Thank you.